What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a No Regrets Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Morton, and joined, as usual, by my wife, Carla. Carla, yes. are you ready for Christmas? Um, yes, I am. Really? Yes. Have you gotten me lots of gifts? No. Then you're not ready for Christmas. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm ready. You're ready. Uh, for those of you who don't know, and we will share a quote, we got Christmas. Everybody's got Christmas coming up, but we've got Christmas being followed by a wedding next yes, week. Yes, we do. As our youngest son, Cole, gets ready to marry his fiance Gemma. And so it has been sort of a crazy time around here. And this will be... Will this be the last podcast? Yeah, this will be the last podcast of this year, 2023. Wow. Yeah, because the next one will come out first of January 1st, yeah, I guess. That, yeah. Yeah, we will be dropping a podcast on January 1st uh, or 2nd. I'm or not second, sure what the date is. Anyway, that first week of January, we'll have a podcast. And this week, we want to finish up the fourth in a series. Is on, it on four? Yeah, there's four of them. Oh, okay. The fourth in the series on forging a team. How do you move from you and me to we? And uh, we've talked a lot about everything from, hey, what are the qualities of teamwork that we want to go for? Uh, The idea of how does family of origin impact that relationship? And that's really something that we want to explore more of later on. Uh, whole idea when communication and conflict, how they can really make or break the whole idea of becoming a team. And especially, we touched a little bit on it last week, some of the ideas of are you really rejecting or accepting your spouse's feelings and opinions and thoughts and all of those kind of things. Uh, but that's when I think we pretty much sort of said we want to do another podcast on that. Yeah, there, kinda, there's, there's a lot to that one. Yeah, and, and we talked about how the way we handle that, sort of that level of communication and that acceptance or rejection, if you would, of what each other says really impacts whether or not you can go further in, in, in developing deeper intimacy and communication So and avoiding some of those conflicts. So. Yeah, we want to talk more about that later. But tonight, we sort of want to wrap it all up, if you would. We're going to wrap everything up. And these are really sort of 10 signs that you are a team, or at least you're moving towards that. And so these are 10 things that you want to ask yourself, talk it over with your spouse, and just say, hey, where are we in regard to this? Is this something we're really strong in? Is this a weakness? How can we improve this particular area? You know, marriage is, really, it's the ultimate team. You go all the way back to the beginning when God designed marriage. His whole concept was you take two individuals, a man and a woman, and he does something mystical, and they become one. You know, we talked earlier as we began this series that, you know, Carla and I have been married 40 years, but we probably spent the good first half of the marriage operating as two individuals. I mean, we did good things, and uh, God blessed us in a lot of ways. But I don't know that we really started working as a team until later on in our marriage. Well, and I honestly don't know that I would have understood it. I don't know that I really got that there was a difference between just two people being together, quote, married, 
and maybe sharing life together, doing life together, raising kids together, and being one and being a team and a mindset that begins to say it's us. It's not me, my life, my career, what I've got going on in you and your stuff. It's a we. And I don't know that we talked or heard much about that or read much about it. So I don't know that I really even understood that there's a really huge difference between those two things I just described. All right, well, let's jump into this then. Uh, we got 10 signs. Uh, first one, hey, you have a shared vision and common goals. You know, we talk a lot with couples about what's their vision? Who do they want to be? What do they want their life to be like? And it's kind of amazing that a lot of couples don't have a real vision. And as part of setting that vision, then you want to establish goals. But if you're not moving in the same direction as far as that, you're going to be, it's almost that principle that Paul talks about, you know, be not unequally yoked. And we're not even talking in this case because we think that we do believe believers should be married to believers. But oftentimes, if you don't have the same place that you're going, you end up pulling in opposite ways. And, and so one of the things is, do you have that kind of shared vision? Can you honestly look and say, hey, this is what we want to be as a couple, and we've talked about it, and we agree, this is where we want to go. Yeah. Uh, so that's number one. Hey, number two, you understand how to love each other. Why don't you talk about that, Carla? Well, heavens, because that's a lifelong process, right? Yes, number it two. is. Um, obviously, they're all kind of um, uniqueness to each couple. And there'll never be another couple like the two of you. And so the way you love each other and the way you help meet each other's needs as God designed it is going to look really different in every relationship. And so finding that out, learning that, growing in it, what does it look like for you all? What are the needs and wants of your spouse? Do you know those? And so, I mean, I, th I think sometimes we take a life or a journey, a long part of our journey together, figuring out what is loving you well look like. And I'm still learning pieces to it, just, just on the side are, note. Are you a little slow there, honey? Well, yes, yes. Number one, I'm slow. Yeah, Number a couple two, of podcasts that I might encourage you to go back and listen to. Is we, have a, we did a podcast on love languages and we also talked about the idea of men's and women's greatest needs, and hopefully that would be good conversations. We talked about, um, we talked about uh, Chase and Cash, and so those are two podcasts that you can go back and listen to, and hopefully would really stimulate some discussion. If you're not sure how you'd answer that question, how does my spouse need to be loved? Right, right. So again, that's unique. It's specific to the two of you. And it's important that if you don't know the answer to that or you know, you think you know, that you're, like you said, you're having some of those discussions because maybe I'm loving you in a way that is or isn't really resonating with you. Yeah. Uh, number three, hey, there's a mutual respect for each other's opinions. Now, here's the kicker here. Even when they're not the same. Mm. You know, we talked about how key that level three of communication, which is where, you know, you... You share feel, things. Yeah, yeah, you share things, and you talk about your opinions, and 
as you get deeper, you talk about your dreams, your desires, and your even values. your fears. And if you don't feel safe to do that, and you aren't being affirmed in that by your spouse, then that's going to be a real barrier to being a weak. And that's hard. I mean, that's one of those places, again, that comes with intentionality and growth where I may not agree at all with your opinion on this, right, on this given topic or issue. But again, seeing that as not a place that we're going to tear one another down, but how do we build the differences in where we may have an opinion, differences of opinion, how do we still build that not let it tear us apart. Yeah, I mean, you you actually give each other the freedom to disagree. Yeah. You know, I think of one of the all-time couples that was, I guess you would say, an odd couple, and that was... Um, Do you know if they're still married as you quote this? Yeah, I don't know if they're married uh, or not, but they well, were at one time. Well, that would be a bad time. example then. And that was James Carville and Mary Matlin. And they were both the uh, lead political advisors, for the one for a Democratic, fathers. one for a Republican. Yeah, and, that's kind of weird. And how they stayed married. And I think they are still married. I'm not sure. Okay. But even the fact that they were, and that, they, you know, they would talk date. about yeah. those differences in that, yeah. that's pretty huge. And to be able to share those kind of differences. Um, We're not saying you have to be that extreme. No. We're just giving that as an <laughs> that, example. That would be challenging. That would be challenging because a lot of times you're going to share some core values, but you want to share core values. But gosh, there are a thousand opinions that may not even get at the core values at times. But it's just something strongly you kind of feel or think. And it may be really different than your spouse. Number four, hey, there's a willingness to compromise. Mm. You know, we talked about, I'm going to refer back to some other podcasts we've done. We did one of the enemies of intimacy. And one of those enemies was selfishness. And selfishness refuses to compromise. It's always got to be their way. Yeah. And... If you're going to work as a team, you got to understand that decisions can't be made in a vacuum. They always impact both of you, and you're not always going to get your way. And, yeah. and part of it is that willingness to say, okay, I really like to do this, but I know you want to do something else. Boy, how do we meet in the middle? Yeah, how do we, how do, we do this and sort of honor each other in the process? I do love, again, the idea, and I'm certain there's a lot of coaches that do this, but where they will say it is team first, then the, I forget what the second thing is, and then the third thing is the person. Meaning if you go on the team and you go on the field and it's about you, you, you. Yeah, it's the team, it's the, the mission. The mission, I was going to say that. And then it's your individual accolades right. and everything. So if you approach life, your marriage, if if you're putting the what I, the I there as the center, it's never going to feel like a team. Never. And it never would on a football field either or whatever sport if everybody approaches the game with I as the only thing that they're focusing on. Because you won't, you won't give the ball to the other person. You won't let the pass go that way. You won't let somebody else take the route. You'll want to do it all. And I'm thinking – that that's in a that's in a way that people grasp and they get it and they cheer for it and they kind of boo when people don't do it well which is kind of interesting but then we struggle in our marriage so it is a, a really important principle i think all right number 5 how you support each other no matter what 
That's mm. a biggie. That's a biggie. Because a lot of times, if especially if our opinions differ and we think the other person's wrong, and that's a real easy one to sort of back away and say, oop, that's all on you. Yeah. And that's not what a team does. You know, I, I think that whole concept going back before, you know, we'd use the team concept a lot and relate it to sports. You know, you win or lose as a team. Yeah. And it works the same way as a married couple. If one of you's hurting, it's going to impact both of you. And, and that idea that, boy, you need to be willing to back the person up and continue to love them and support them, even at times that they're wrong. Yeah, I think about maybe decisions that somebody makes, that a choice somebody makes, that you take a job, you turn down a job, you do a move across the country, you you change homes, you change churches, you change whatever, and somehow it didn't work out well. And you know, one can one of you can easily look at the other and say, "This was your idea. It's your fault." Yeah, and people start playing the blame game yeah. and everything else. And you know, you think back almost when we've asked this question: Do you really understand what you committed to when you said, "I do"? Yeah. You no, know, the better for better, <laughs> for worse, for richer, for poorer, so on and so on. And oftentimes we always assume it's going to be the good parts of those. Yeah, more money. But if more you're going to be involved and if you're really going to be what God's designed you to be, that concept of we, that, that means even when somebody's struggling, even when they fail, yeah, boy, you've got to be there to support them. I think about what about couples and families that – they try to launch a new business. They try to launch a, something that they haven't done before, and it doesn't pan out. I mean, you know, think how easily that can tear you apart when you don't don't support each other. I, mean, you know, I think back to one of the our recent podcasts in the past that we did it with a couple that struggled with the addiction in the marriage and how different their story would be if the wife hadn't continued to support her husband even when he struggled over and over and over again and over. with that. Yeah. All right, let's go to number six. Hey, there are established boundaries for your relationship. Why are boundaries so important? Well, boundaries, and sometimes boundary has a negative connotation, but a boundary tells you where the playing field is. It tells you what's off limits. It tells you what is going to be called out not good and they're going to probably be negative consequences when we jump over them and that is every single place in our lives if you want to break a boundary if you want to jump over it there will be something that's going to impact you and the same is true about our marriages and what safe guards them and if you've never talked about it you need to if you've never said how do we deal with friends of the opposite sex, how do we deal with what's okay, what's not, how do we deal with if we travel um, within our job, how do we deal with um, all kind of things that could potentially make one spouse or the other feel very uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, their boundaries are all about defining and protecting the relationship. And you know, it may be something as simple as the idea of who does what responsibilities within the household. Who's going to who's gonna take care of the clothes and wash and 
fold and iron and all those things. Or they can be much bigger issues, such as some of the ones that you said. You know, I think of things that we've done. For us, a lot of times we did things and they were sort of reactive. You know, we've talked about before that, you know, one of the boundaries that we didn't really establish early on was in dealing with finances. Right. And after I made some mistakes and we got into some financial trouble, we established boundaries. And something as simple as, hey, if... I'm going to spend more than a certain amount of money. I'm going to call you and say, hey, are we okay to spend this? Right. It may be something simple like that, or it may be something that's much more profound. And as you talk about it, as we, how do we relate to the opposite sex? What about coworkers? What about having to do business trips with someone that's of the opposite sex? And all those kind of things. Those are huge. And boundaries help create this sense of safety and security within the marriage relationship. And so if you've never really sat down and talked about boundaries and just, a, you know, hey, shoot us an email and I'll, I'll be happy. I will send you a, an exercise that we do with couples in talking about and establishing boundaries for their relationship. Um, where are we? Number seven. Uh, hey, you avoid criticizing each other. Oh, my gosh. I probably get an F minus on that one. Although. What's the idea? How do you determine the difference between, quote, criticism and, uh, I guess you could say, accountability, encouragement? Dis- I don't know. However you want to put that. Well, I think critis- criticizing someone gets to, it moves beyond the behavior or the task or the thing that wasn't done or they desired to be done or shouldn't have been done, any of those kind of the action, I guess you would say. The action is what you're upset about usually, but if you move from the action to the person as a person, and so not you yeah, it relate. Almost beca- it becomes like an attack on yes, that character. Yes, when you, you relate, are yeah, this. You are, so you take the action of... When you were late to the so-and-so, the effect then on me was this. Instead of you are selfish, you are inconsistent, you are this, you are that, you are that. That moves to the heart of attacking, like you said, the person. Now, there can be some truth in the fact that there may be things within us that the reason our action or behavior is X is because we've got some stuff on the inside And it may be that I'm being super selfish. And so instead of doing my schedule to get where I need to be so I'm not late and be thoughtful of you, then I need to deal with that. But really what we want to bring out to one another is the behavior, the action. Let's stay away from going after each other's, if you would, them as a person. Yeah, and, and it's almost that's one of those areas that it's almost hard. But as you say, sometimes you see things so clearly, and especially me. I do. I have. I've had this amazing ability for all these years to clearly identify where you needed to shore up. Yeah, and oftentimes those criticisms, they feel like an attack we can get usually start getting defensive about that. Or we make excuses. And, and really we... what you want to do with those is you want to focus on the behavior, but you really want to 
that's a matter of prayer. It's God that changes somebody's character and changes somebody's heart. You can't do that. Right. Again, I think you can bring to the forefront the behavior, the action that then may have caused you, the other person, to feel a certain way or to have a certain consequence because of that and bring that out and then share from an eye perspective of how it impacted you. But like you said, it's God's going to have to show them. You could say from now till the end of time to your spouse, you are selfish, you are selfish, you are selfish. Well, guess what? If God doesn't do the work to allow them to see that reality, that is not going to change. I mean, that's the truth. But again, that a way of attacking it, like criticizing, probably only pushes them deeper into the cave of that. Yeah, criticism is one of the big communication and intimacy killers. All right, number eight, you talk with your spouse before assuming. Mm. Yeah, we still do. We do that. Yeah, we assume. We've done that a bunch recently. I guess we'd have a bunch of examples for this. We've made assumptions like, Something I thought you understood that I wanted you to do. I thought it was totally crystal clear, and apparently it wasn't. And so we've started trying to say, give ourselves a little code word about it to remind ourselves, quit thinking you know what the other person is thinking, or surely the other person would be thinking the way you're thinking. So if you clearly left something on the counter that like one day I did, this was an example, it wasn't the end of the world at all, it was stupid, but it was a box of stuff, and it was all these strange little things in it. It had a bunch of jewelry, not not great jewelry, but you know, costume jewelry, but anyway, various little things, and I wanted to get it to this place that has a um, thrift shop, a thrift shop, but it's helping this ministry, and I figured it was the holiday time, maybe they could use more merchandise. So I put it on the counter knowing you had to go out that day on that side of town. But I didn't leave you a note because I left really early. And you assumed I knew what it was there for. Or no, you no, no, assumed no. that I would call you. You would call me because you'd say, oh, weird box, weird little stuff in here. I should call Carla and see what this is. Nope. Okay. Assumption. He just let it sit there, right? So anyway, that was one of those, again, stupid little example. But my gosh, a thousand things happen like that. And then a whole bunch of thousand and more important things happen because we assume. Yeah, I think another way that couples can get into trouble when it comes to these assumptions and that you really want to learn to start thinking about this. And that's when you make commitments, time commitments, appointment commitments without talking to your spouse first. Yeah that you just assume that they're going to go along with it. You just assume that you don't already have everything lined up for that date. And so you make the commitment and then you come and find out, well, I really can't do that at that time. Yeah. Or you make commitments and you overstretch yourselves. And maybe you thought it wasn't a big deal to say you'd agree to sit on this board or you'd agree to do X, Y, and Z. And all of a sudden your spouse is feeling the, the brunt of that's one more time you're gone. Or that's one more time you can't be somewhere else. So that feels really like a negative thing because you didn't even have a discussion about it. Yeah. And so when we're talking about that being a sign that you're becoming a team, it's sort of this mindset that whenever those opportunities come, your first thought is, oh, I can or I can't do that. But it's, 
what can we do? Yeah, and that's that's a big flip. Even if it's I just mean, one of you that's going to be involved doing Right, it. just thinking, how does this impact us? And that's, again, part of that shift moving away from, like you said, just my schedule, what works for me, what I'm interested in doing, into the we. All right, number nine. Uh, and this is we're just going to be here real briefly because this definitely is another another podcast, probably a series of podcasts, how you forgive each other. Mm. And, you know, in the real simplest form, forgiveness, it doesn't mean forgetting. It doesn't mean the other person is accountable for when they do things that hurt you. Not accountable. Yeah, not accountable. Okay. It just means that you're not going to take it upon yourself, that old idea of vengeance, and I'm going to make them pay. You leave that to God to deal with that. And you let it go, and you understand, I'm not perfect. My spouse isn't perfect. And whatever it is they did to me, whatever sin that was, man, that sin is covered by the blood of Christ in the same way that all of your own sins are. Yeah. And that is a huge insight that somebody had shared with us not long ago. And it was just really powerful to think about that, that whatever hurt someone has done to you, when Jesus died on the cross, his blood covers even those sins. Yeah, because wounds that we give and do to one another, and if you are listening and you are married and you are breathing, you would be listening and breathing at the same time. But um, you will wound and hurt one another. Sometimes you don't mean to. You really don't. You didn't get it. You didn't understand it. It wasn't intentional. And that'll happen a lot, but sometimes it's intentional, and we knew good and well what we were doing. And those wounds are deep, and they're hurtful, and they're hard. But like you just said, there's not a wound that's not covered. And again, that's a whole series, and we are not in any way just trying to gloss over the fact that people in marriage can sometimes hurt one another tremendously. And it does take an incredible amount of of forgiveness and work to heal and move past that but we are saying that that's that's critical you you can't ever you know somebody that has it can be little things that you're not forgiven it might not even be a huge thing but if you're thinking they owe me they owe me they owe me because they did this they did this you're going to be stuck there you're going to be the one that's in bondage and missing out. So it, it really is a sign of you moving forward in a healthy way that we learn to forgive and that we're, if you would, practicing forgiving. And it is something we practice because we do it over and over. All right. And our final list of 10 signs that you're becoming a team is you make your marriage a priority. And that sort of is, if, if there is a mantra that we say over and over again, it's that. You've got to make your marriage a priority. A great marriage doesn't just happen. You choose to work towards that. And that means that your marriage is a priority over your work. It's a priority over your children. The only thing that comes above your marriage is your relationship with Christ. And, you know, for a lot of people, they just sort of think, oh, we love each other. This is where we started out. We love each other. We're going to live happily You're ever so after. You're so cute. 
And, you know, and that got us in trouble because we didn't really know how to really be intentional about building our marriage and keeping it a priority. Life just sort of happened, and we just sort of went with life and what was happening, and we didn't understand that not doing those intentional things and continuing to make us a priority was going to make things challenging. And so with that, that is the end of our series on forging a team, becoming a we instead of just a you and me. And as we end this up, and really as we end 2023, mm-hmm. uh, man, we just want to say thank you. For those of you who have you know stayed along with us and have listened to our podcast and have shared and have, you know, have shared with us that you're encouraged by that, man, thank you so, so much. And, and I would ask you to do this. If you're encouraged by our podcast, share them with somebody else. Share them with a friend, share them with a, you know, a son, a daughter, a brother, a sister, somebody else that you think might be encouraged in their marriage relationship. Um, I said, well, we will be back. We will have another podcast uh, that first week of January. But until then, we just want to say Merry Christmas and just challenge you to keep on forging what God's given you.